The sun's a shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove, beer showers. It's just the very best time for an old Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Eufy Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver, so ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. It's concert season, and concert season is all about the boots. Already Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen lighted up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tecovis store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. There's nothing quite like Oxford, Mississippi in the spring. You ride around in your car looking at the beautiful people, the flowers. Why not experience that in a new car, truck? How about a Jeep? Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is the only place to go for your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. They'll work with you to ensure you get the car you want at a price point you can afford. All you've got to do is go visit Brian, Mason, and the crew and let them take care of you through the easiest, most seamless car buying process around. How can they best serve you? To take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides, be sure to contact them today at 662-638-0044. Or stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. It's a special edition of Talk of Champions. We don't have sports right now. <laughs> We're all struggling to get through this together. But today is a special Talk of Champions. Why? Because we're going to rewatch the 2014 Ole Miss Alabama game. And today's guest is Bo Wallace, and we go through it the big plays, the big moments. And Bo basically breaks the whole thing down. But first, Colin, what's up, man? How you doing? How you handling quarantine? Oh man, it is. It's been an experience. Um, 
I had to go grocery shopping today and I'm I'm I like hate grocery shopping. It's like some people hate going to the dentist. I hate grocery shopping, but I had to do it today. Otherwise I was going to starve to death. And, uh, so I guess that was the highlight of my day though. I got to go grocery shopping. Well, a couple of things before we really get going here. First of all, keeping your prayers, your thoughts, whatever, David Johnson, Gray Spencer, Gray Spencer first was in a car wreck coming home to new Albany. He's a basketball manager, almost basketball manager, Coming home to New Albany from Oxford on Highway 30, bad car wreck. He was fighting for his life for a while. He's doing a little bit better. They've got a GoFundMe account. If you want to go to the Old Miss Spirit, OldMissSpirit.com. I wrote a story about it on Sunday. Click the link. Give if you can. Um, and then David Johnson, Eli Johnson, his son who plays for Ole Miss, um, daughter on Facebook, they left the news out on Sunday. David Johnson tested positive for coronavirus. So David is out of pocket for a little while, but keep him in your thoughts and your prayers, whatever you want to do. Um, it's a tough time. It's a tough time for everybody. And hopefully this will be somewhat of a reprieve for you guys who are going through what we're all going through. And that's self-isolation, quarantining, social distancing, doing our part so that we can get sports back and get rid of this virus. But sports are obviously not at the forefront. I'm kidding, but this is a sports podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, Talk of Champions in iTunes. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. When you do, go to iTunes to check out Talk of Champions. If you don't mind, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. It's a rewatch of 2014 Ole Miss Alabama. A lot to get to. Bo Wallace coming up in just a little bit. Let me tell you before we really get going here about the Lamar. Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood in Cheney's Pharmacy. Two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Oxford, Mississippi is one of the most beautiful towns in the entire country. And there's no place quite like Oxford in the spring. Maybe you've thought about moving to Oxford, but haven't taken the plunge yet. If you're in the market, you need only look in one place. The Lamar. Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood. And an innovative new development from John Welty Realty. Located just up North Lamar, blocks from the Oxford Square, the Lamar offers 48 acres that connects homes and restaurants with arts and businesses. Only a few steps from your front door, a grocery store, brewery, shops, and other amenities. Build out on these modern open concept homes is happening, so get in now. Call them today at 662-816-2782. You can also reach out via email, hello at the lamarms.com. The Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood and proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. When spring arrives, you know what comes with it. Allergies, stuffy nose, cough, sore throat. So there's no better time to assess whether or not you're getting everything you need from your pharmacy. And the only place to go is Cheney's Pharmacy. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-thru, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's is a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years and it provides the best customer service out there. So give them a call, 662-234-7221. You can visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at chaneyspharmacy.com. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Colin, 2014 Ole Miss, Alabama. Where were you? What do you remember first and foremost <laughs> about that week, that day? I was uh, I was in the student section. I remember um, three a.m., three thirty a.m. after I'd gone to the you know the square the night before, waking up and going to college game day with my girlfriend and and some other friends. 
what a day, man. It was the epitome of, of a perfect Ole Miss day. I mean, I've been an Ole Miss fan, I guess, for 26 years now, and that's probably number two on my favorite days to be an Ole Miss fan. So, yeah, I remember sitting in the student section. I don't I, – I remember <laughs> – it's funny – um, this was back when, you know, Ole Miss is, is getting a lot of new fans, got a lot of new students and I'm sitting around. And when, when Walton scores a touchdown, I'm, you know, obviously excited and they missed the extra point. And I just sit down and I said, this thing's over. We're losing. And like everybody around me is cheering. It's like, dude, all we got to do is get a stop. I was like, you, you don't know how this ends. This ends 24 to 23. And anybody that knew Ole Miss for any semblance of time thought that that was how it was going to end. But thank God for Sinquez Golson. I was in the end zone in that corner and Jalen came toward me when he caught the touchdown pass. I got my camera up and I'm videoing and it's this incredible atmosphere and you could just sense the euphoria and it was so loud and I hadn't heard it that loud since Ole Miss LSU in 2003. It was nuts. The whole stadium felt like this is happening. This is real. Ole Miss football has arrived on the biggest stage in college football. And then Gary Wunderlich, doesn't miss once. He misses twice. No, no, you got to remember, Freeze switched kickers. He did. Andrew Fletcher was the short yardage kicker. But Gary Wunderlich had been so good. Remember, yes. he hit that long field goal to make it 3 nothing, and it was 3 nothing late into the second quarter. Yep. So Gary had yep. been good. He clanks the first one, and then the second one hits a line drive that's blocked by Tony Brown. So, of course, if you didn't feel that, if you didn't feel that this was going to be 24 to 23, <laughs> Colin's right. You hadn't been around Ole Miss sports long enough because I remember thinking, holy crap, this is going to happen. And then the missed extra point happens, and I turned around and went, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, of course, what happens? Immediately, Alabama starts driving. And Amari Cooper makes that great play where he uses the referee to pick Cody Pruitt, makes the catch, goes deep into Ole Miss territory, and you're thinking, it's over. This is death by a thousand cuts. I have seen this movie. I have seen the ending. I don't have to watch anymore. And then the unthinkable happens. Blake Sims on the first down after the big Omari play scrambles out, goes out of bounds. Mm -hmm. They had time. And yet he tries to get OJ Howard in the end zone over Cody Pruitt, who was beat, but so was making the play of all plays going up and over five, nine Sinquez up and over six, six OJ Howard and easily one of the most iconic moments in Ole Miss football history for what it was on that day with game day and the week-long buildup and everything that came with it, that play, that moment, where he's up and over 6'6", O.J. Howard, lands, gets his foot in. It was the most non-Ole Miss, Ole Miss moment ever. And it's funny, uh, that game, you know, obviously was decided because Sinquez Golson goes up and makes a play, but it was also decided because there was a holding penalty on Alabama the play before. Blake Sim goes to the uh, Ole Miss 23-yard line and they throw the holding penalty. That was it was a hold, but you don't expect Alabama to get called for that hold. And it makes it first and twenty. And Sims presses and throws that ball up, and uh, it and Golson just makes a heck of a play because, like you said, man. I mean, and, and like we reiterated, everybody that had been around Ole Miss football, it, I, I, honest to God, Ben, when uh, Alabama had the football down there, my thought was, well, maybe Ole Miss can get it back and try to kick a field goal. <laughs> like, the, the thought process of them stopping them short of the end zone was something I'd never recognized. And this is an Ole Miss defense that entered yes. play having given up two touchdowns all year, one passing, one rushing. This defense was special, one of the best and, in Ole Miss history across the board. And Tony Conner had a monster day. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. I was just saying, and they'd only given up one that day because you remember the second was on the uh, bogus non-face mask call. 
Yes. And I'm going to go play by play, moment by moment with Bo Wallace. Before we do that, let's set the stage here. In the first four games, both teams come in 4-0. Alabama's number one. Ole Miss is number 11. Ole Miss is going for its first win ever against a top-ranked team. But to get there, you had to beat Boise State on Thursday, the college football kickoff. They do that 35-13. to Vanderbilt, which historically, no matter how bad Vanderbilt might be, Vanderbilt seemingly always gives Ole Miss some trouble, and yet Ole Miss absolutely blitzes Vanderbilt 41-3. to Louisiana Lafayette, 56-15. to And then Memphis started to hear some rumblings that college game day was going to come as long as Ole Miss beat Memphis. They'd been trying to come to Ole Miss for quite some time, and finally they got their opportunity as long as Ole Miss beat Memphis. But the way in which it beat Memphis inspired no confidence whatsoever. <laughs> it was 10-3 to 3 in the fourth quarter. Ben, I got so mad I had to leave the stadium. Cause like I thought it was just going to be another epic screw up. I was a little bit sick that day too. And then it's 10 to three and you know, they turned the football over three times and it can't do anything on offense. Thankfully for Ole Miss that day, uh, Paxton Lynch had no prayer of getting anything off. So Memphis was never going to score another touchdown. Uh, Ole Miss won the game once they had seven points, but it was, uh, it was a rough look that Saturday night against Memphis. But think about the, we are Ole Miss moments, the trends they had to buck to get this win 10 to three against Memphis. All you got to do is win and you're going to get game day for the first time ever 10 to three in the fourth quarter against Memphis. So you're thinking, Oh my God, of course that's going to happen. Of course they're going to lose somehow to Memphis and lose game day. And then they get Alabama coming in. Uh, They won. They go into the Alabama week. And I remember the year before, and I talk about this with Bo, but the year before the Alabama contingent, which is always huge and strange, I like a lot of those guys, but it's a strange group, had asked Bo going into the Alabama game, just his thoughts on Alabama and whatever, and Bo just confidently talked about his own team. There was nothing derogatory said by Bo, actually quite complimentary of Alabama throughout the whole exchange, whatever, and yet Michael Casagrande of AL.com twisted up his words for bulletin board material for Alabama. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. It's like Alabama, because they're Alabama, they have to create these things sometimes. So in the week build up to this game, Bo's saying nothing. He's not even talking to us. <laughs> he has nothing to say to us. He has nothing to say to media, but everybody's coming to town. You got Gary and Vern. You got the game day guys for production meetings, all that kind of stuff. And they handled it in a way where when you went out to practice, it was no different. And I know that's cliche and whatever, but it was kind of remarkable because I'm feeling this. I've been around Ole Miss sports my entire life. You're feeling this. You would think the players are feeling this, and yet, no. It was as if it was just a normal walk in the park. And Michael Thompson, I remember, had a connect with Katy Perry, who was performing in Memphis at FedEx Forum. Uh-huh. And he put out the feeler, because you got to have the guest picker. And yeah, Ole Miss could go with Archie or Eli. Well, not Eli. They were in season. But you get what I'm saying. They could go with one right. of their historic. But Katy Perry was a different kind of picker. And Michael Thompson shoots his shot. And sure enough, she agrees to do it. And you get word of that on like Thursday or Friday. And when she came walking up, I remember being on the stage and I'm like three feet from her. And I remember I took a picture and sent it to my wife. And she's just terribly crazy with envy and jealousy. She's mad at me. And she's like, get a picture. Well, no, I can't like storm the set. But anyway, looking out on that stage at the crowd for game day, it just was completely different. You could tell, unlike any game that had come before it on campus, 
This one had a different air about it. It was a surreal scene, man. Cause I, I like I said, I went to a college game day that morning at five o'clock or no, it's close to four o'clock. Actually, we get in line and we do the game day thing from eight to about 11. And then we go to, you know, a friend's tent from, I think 11 to 12 and just to grove that day. It was, it, it, I don't know. It felt like for everyone there that it was Christmas morning or, or Christmas Eve. And you just had that anxious feeling about you. And then you, and, you know, I'm a student then, so I've got to go get in the stadium two hours early if I want to get a seat. Um, so we did that. We sat there for two hours and I think we just watched Mississippi state and like, I think a and um, that, that morning on our phones until it was time for all this to kick off. It was just, you're right. You know, I've gone to get Ole Miss games my whole life. And outside of, I think probably Oh three LSU, I've never really experienced an atmosphere and, and just kind of an environment like that. Ole Miss hadn't been on that stage before, probably since 2003, truly been on that stage before. And here they were in 2014 with an opportunity to have one of the biggest days in program history in Mississippi State down the road. They had the same kind of opportunity mm-hmm. and they would get game day later. It was the best time for college football in the modern era, in recent history, the best time for Mississippi football, nationally relevant good, competing for a national title good. Now, remember, this is the same year that Ole Miss suffered that terrible loss at LSU, but also. Laquan goes down in that brutal loss to Auburn with an injury that, quite frankly, at the time, everyone thought could be career ending. Also, Laquan has landed with the Atlanta Falcons. There you go. But Laquan goes down same season. So you had the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And then Ole Miss goes from this moment to the Peach Bowl and gets waxed by TCU. (laughs) But for one moment in time... This was different. And we're going to go over MVP, underrated MVP, all those things after we talk to Bo Wallace and go through every single big moment as we rewatch Ole Miss Alabama 2014. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review Talk of Champions on iTunes. And when you do, please leave a five-star review. Doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. All right, for the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. Going to go down to the Modern Women phone line to talk to Bo Wallace, former Ole Miss quarterback and star of this game. He was 18 for 31, 251 yards, three touchdowns, and he earned every single one of those. (laughs) And it took every single one of them. He got killed all game. They ran him, pressure in his face. Laquan, I didn't say this during my time talking to Bo as we were rewatching this game, but Laquan, at least twice, maybe three times, broke up would-be interceptions. And while Laquan's line, 555-1, looks not all that impressive, it was one of the most dominant, if not the most dominant, 555-1 lines you'll ever see, including the impact he made on the game in keeping interceptions out of the hands of Alabama. He was really good at that. If you just kind of go back and look at his career, I can think of, of plenty of times where I think I can think of one where Chad just hung him out to dry and he goes in and he makes a play and actually makes a catch instead of giving up a pick six. And I don't think, you know, that's something you should gauge receivers off of, but for whatever reason, Laquan did have a knack for breaking up what should be interceptions. I'll be honest, and this is kind of off topic, but we're about to jump to Bo. I still cannot believe that Laquan Treadwell has not been good in the NFL. It'll never make sense to me. It never will. And I know the yeah. separation off the line of scrimmage is probably one of, if not the most important things in the NFL. And Laquan's always been average or below average at that one particular skill. But watching him in this game, 
you saw an otherworldly talent. You had Amari Cooper going off for nine ninety one and one, and catching everything around him, making guys miss. Laquan was doing the same thing. It was different because he wasn't running away from anybody, but breaking up those plays and also breaking tackles and contested catches. I'll never understand it. I really will never understand it. I thought he was Des Bryant. Yeah. Whatever reason, it did not work out in Minneapolis, but hopefully it does in Atlanta. I think, I don't know. I mean, they've got receivers galore there, but maybe maybe for whatever reason it can work there. 2014 Ole Miss, Alabama. Let's rewatch it with Bo Wallace. This is Talk of Champions going out of the Modern Woman phone line after this brief word from Modern Woman in BNA Bank. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your Modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives. Securing futures. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC. An equal housing lender. The Modern Woodman phone line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. Joining me now on the Modern Woodman phone line, former Ole Miss quarterback Bo Wallace, now the offensive coordinator at Cahoma Community College. Good friend of the program. Bo, my friend, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for coming on as we do this rewatch of the 2014 Ole Miss Alabama game and arguably one of the greatest games days in school history, easily the most memorable of my Ole Miss life. So let's dive right in. There were swarms of new media in town that week, right? Um, From the rather absurd Alabama contingent to TV production with Vern and Gary and the college game day guys. What was the buildup to the game like that week? I mean, it was different just because, you know, walking around campus, you saw, you know, the production for game day going up and all that. But, I mean, as far as how, you know, we we, try, we tried to keep it as, as you know, the much of the same process as possible. You know, I thought our coaches did a good job with that um, so that, you know, we were kind of away from everything as much as possible. You know, obviously, you would have to do media before the games and, you know, do the production interviews and stuff. But, um you know, for the most part, it was just, you know, just a regular week for us. That wasn't the same week that you got that cheap question from AL.com. Was that the year before or was that that week? Yeah, that was the year before. Yeah, where they they spun everything I said into what they wanted to make it out to be. 
Yeah, did you make a conscious effort to kind of avoid saying anything oh, yeah. that week? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I didn't want anything to, you know, anything they could spin around to, you know, put in the locker room or anything like that. I just, you know, wanted to stay away from it because, you know, they they have a history of doing that. And, um, you know, I just knew that by then. So just try to make sure I, I didn't make a mistake with what I said. I was in the room when Casa Grande asked you that question and heard your answer and there was no disrespect whatsoever. I know we're kind of getting off track Not here, but there was nothing right. there. And yet it turned nah. into this bulletin board material. I think, honestly, that sometimes because Alabama is Alabama, they just create these things. Yeah, that's right. And, um, you know, like I said, I was just expressing confidence in my teammates, you know. Um, and then, you know, once that happened, I, it just kind of showed me how the media can be sometimes and, you know, kind of construct your words into what they want it to mean. And, um, you know, so that was a big learning moment, honestly. Well, a storyline going into Ole Miss, Alabama, that's only interesting now, six years later, but Gary mentioned it during the broadcast. You're from Pulaski, Tennessee. You wanted to go to Tennessee out of high school. Obviously, everyone knows the story by now. You ended up at Arkansas State with Freeze, transferred to East Mississippi, then on to Ole Miss. The rest is history. But Lane Kiffin is now the head coach at Ole Miss. At that time during your recruitment, he was the head coach of the Volunteers. For this game, he was the OC at Alabama. Gary said he didn't really recruit you out of high school. What's the actual story there? Um, They sent uh, Chaney. Chaney was the OC, and uh, they sent him down one morning before school, and I threw for him one time. Um, Didn't throw great. I didn't feel like, um, you know, definitely wasn't like my best performance. You know, I mean, you could imagine how it was for me. You know, I wasn't getting any recruitment in Tennessee sent the coach down to watch me throw, so – uh, probably a little bit nervous and, uh, you know, didn't have my best day, but didn't ever hear from him again after that. So what do you think about Lane Kiffin as now the head coach at Ole Miss? I think it's good. Um, you know, he's going to, he's obviously injected energy into the program. Um, and you know, that that's kind of what we needed after everything we had been through, um, you know, the last year and two or year or two. So, um, you know, I know he's injected a lot of energy, so, uh, you know, I, I'm excited to see it. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, he'll improve us for sure. I keep getting off track. I'm sorry. But back to the game here, <laughs> not to rattle off all the names, but Alabama was absolutely loaded. What was the game plan going in? Um, well, actually, the game plan, um, we saw a lot of stuff. You know, they played West Virginia a couple weeks before um, in that opener, and they played them in Atlanta. And from that tape, we had saw a lot of motions and things like that that could get us into the coverage that we wanted um, just because we felt like at that time, you know, our receivers, we felt like we're better than their corners. Um, you know, I know their corners ended up being really good, but I'm, I think they were freshmen that year, that year. Um, but I know they were young. Um, so I just felt like on the outside and, and our coaches did too, that we were better than them. And, uh, you know, if we could get some one-on-one matchups and, and give them chances to make plays, um, you know, that, that would be our best chance to win the ball game. Well, getting to the drives, because of the wind, Alabama had to kick off with someone holding the ball, similar to that of a regular field goal, PAT. Mark Dodson, there's a name for you, opens the game with a 62-yard return to the Alabama 39, resulted in the only points in the first quarter, a 46-yard Gary Wunderlich field goal. But the first play on that drive, and actually the first play from scrimmage for you guys, was a quarterback draw trap, and y'all ran that a lot in the game. It's a first down at the 39, quarterback draw. Was that something that y'all would do to kind of settle you into the game quickly, or was that an Alabama-specific game plan decision? 
Well, I think when you play Alabama, um, you know, you have to run the quarterback because, you know, you want to play 11-on-11 football and, uh, you know, not take away that dynamic of the, of the quarterback running. So I think just early um, try to, you know, reinforce that and, and make sure we were playing 11-on-11 instead of, you know, me just dropping back and being a guy back there. Um, so I kind of knew I had to throw my body around. Um, you know, it was time to start doing that. And so, you know, I was ready for it. I was, you know, excited for it, honestly. There's so many throws that I want to get to, but on that first drive, you had Cody Core for a touchdown on second and ten. Oh, uh, are you talking about on the post? Yes, it was a between two defenders. It was a tough throw. Yeah, yeah. What happened? Yeah, what you see, see I there? Couldn't, I, I couldn't really see once. I couldn't see well because the sun was right behind. Well, I guess that was what the south end of the uh, stadium. Um, so you know, I, I couldn't really see him that great. Uh, I just I just saw him beat the guy and try to give him a chance. Um, you know, looking back, I probably should have looked somewhere else for it. You know, I didn't have great vision of it. It was 3-0 and for so long, even though y'all moved the ball pretty well against them, mostly because you battled your ass off and the Quan made contested catch after contested catch. But with a little over seven minutes left in the second quarter, you had Cody again. He was open over the middle of the field on third and four. You had pressure in your face virtually all afternoon. Is that play a yeah. good example then? Um, from a layman's perspective, we see it as a missed throw, but that's a good example, I think, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, of quarterbacks getting sped up when Alabama or any team brings good pressure. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I remember that throw. I just missed it, and it, you know, it killed me because it was wide open. You know, I, I thought he was going to kind of run through it just because he saw all that grass, and so I put it there, and he ended up sitting down on it. Um, you know, and. Uh, I probably just should have put it on him right there, but, you know, just thinking he was going to keep running through it, just a miscommunication. Um, so, uh, you know, that that one was tough. You know, I, I really want that one back, you know, if I'm looking back on it. Alabama marches down the field for the first touchdown drive late in the second quarter, 12 plays, 68 yards. Jalen has a good kick return up to the Ole Miss 40. And the first play from scrimmage at 328, was that Laquan Treadwell trick pass play that Freeze attempted countless times, and it never worked, and it went for a loss of three. Y'all go three and out. Did that play even work in practice? Why was he so in love with it? First down, 10. They try the sweep. Now the flea flicker. Nobody open. He's still upright, but uh, only for about an extra two seconds. Great job by Treadwell that time. I don't know. Um, he always had something schemed up for it, though. Uh, I don't understand. I don't know. It. I don't know. I don't know if it was like a recruiting pitch that Freeze did for Laquan, but you know, he always he always had a play for that. Um, and yeah, I don't remember a lot of them working, but you know, some of them hit. So you know, we we got some of it out of it. Well, the next drive, first play for you guys was the Itavius Mathers handoff face mask. It was obvious. He fumbles. Cy Jones goes in for a touchdown after he recovers it. It's 14 to three after y'all have controlled the entire half up to that point. Keep it conservative. see it right here oh yes he did turn his head a bit lost concentration that time by Mathers and a catastrophic play and the crowd just saw the replay right there they've got 14 straight um y'all could have gotten something going at the end of the half but the first play you avoid pressure then Jalen drops along the sidelines he had room to run Mm -hmm. what was the halftime locker room like 
it was relaxed. It was so relaxed. Um, you know, coming in, defense was kind of already in there. Um, and so the, I heard them talking when I came in. They're on the other side of the room in the halftime locker room. And I just kept hearing them, you know, we got to get get on the ball back. We got to get on the ball back. And, you know, we told them that, you know, if you do that, you know, we're going to score because we were just missing things, you know. Um, and it wasn't us not executing it. It would be like a batted ball or something like that. And we would have guys running wide open. So I felt good about it the whole time um, and kind of knew I was going to, you know, I wanted to be really conservative coming in because I didn't want to, I didn't want them to win off interception or something like that. Um, but I knew like in that second half, it was like, you know, I got to start taking chances, you know, get, give our, our bigger guys, you know, just a chance around the ball. And, you know, Quan did a great job. Vince did a great job. All those guys had really good catches, um, you know, in that second half. My turning point in the whole game was the missed 51-yard field goal because Alabama had been marching seemingly on its way to a touchdown when Ole Miss dropped Blake Sims for a six-yard loss. Sims, uh -oh, uh -oh. not a Surprised good idea, himself. not a good idea. Whoa. Okay, so mm -hmm. the next drive was the 49-yard throw to Evan. It looked like a seam throw. What was that play exactly, and how did y'all set it up to allow Evan to get so wide open? Um, it was something that we had saw on film where we put the formation into the boundary. Uh, so it created Evan. He was on an inside backer running vertical and too high. So, uh, you know, we felt like if Evan could beat that guy, you know, obviously he was going to, you know, that's Evan Ingram on an inside linebacker. Um, you know, if we can get him the ball, you know, he'll have a lot of space to make, to do something with it. So, um, you know, that was a really good call and really good, uh, by the guys that, you know, watched the film and, and, uh, you know, kind of do that one up for us. Deep. Got him! Evan Ingram, the tight end. Was not up for it on that one. A perfect throw there. So that wasn't set up during the game. That was a game plan thing beforehand during the week, practice week. Yeah, correct. Man, that throw, too, was a dime. You got to look back at that one and go, yeah, I got that one. Yeah, yeah, um... Yeah, uh, it was it was a big time throw. Two plays later, another Laquan contested catch. You back shoulder throw it to him. He grabs it, turns, splits two defenders, broke two tackles. It's a touchdown. I've said Laquan was the under the radar MVP of the game, and the reason why is because he had about as dominant a five fifty five one line you'll ever see. Yeah, and most of that, all of that stuff was probably all, that I remember was off RPOs where. You know, we were calling runs and the two high looks, and then you know they spin it, and then they'd be having the, they would have the corner press on Quan. Well, you know I, I'm going to try to take that shot if I have good down and distance. Um, you know every time, and you know Quan was just coming up with big catch after big catch just off the just off the RPOs off the run game. I mean it, it was it was awesome. Second and seven. by Bo Wallace and, of course, the talent of the Quan Treadwell. That three-play drive and touchdown woke up the whole stadium. Not that they weren't already engaged, yeah. but the atmosphere changed, and it was the loudest I'd heard it in forever. What was that like for you guys? Could y'all feel it? Yeah, I think they. I think everybody felt the momentum change. But just because we were so close, so close, you know, we're knocking, we're knocking, well, you know, finally we get one in. And it created confidence because we were so confident on our defense that year that, you know, as long as we weren't making mistakes, we were going to have a shot to win the game. Um, so, 
you know, we, we felt good about it after that touchdown, you know, get us the ball back and, and you know, give us opportunity to go, go up a score. Yeah, you could talk all you want to about Alabama's defense, all the studs they had, but Ole Miss came into that game having given up two touchdowns all year, one passing, one rushing, and had shut Alabama out in the first quarter. That defense for Ole Miss was inarguably one of the best all time. And if you look across yeah. the board, I mean, Tony Conner was a monster in this game. And across yes, the board, um, they just battled and battled and battled. And Amari gets his, but Amari's always going to get his. Other yeah. than that, I mean, they were shutting down TJ Yeldon to Derrick Henry like it was nothing. Right, right. And, uh, I mean, you look at that defense, it, we had so many guys that, that had played for so long that were leaders on that team. And then, you know, you bring out Robert and Tony Conner and all those, um, you know, it, it just put it put us over the top defensively. And then, um, you know, everybody had so much uh, confidence in Coach Womack and believed in him on, on the defensive side of the ball. So, I mean, they always played really, really hard for him. All right, fast forward to the fourth quarter. Y'all didn't score on this drive, but I covered your entire Ole Miss career. I've known you for a long time. We've got to talk about what I think is – undoubtedly one of the best throws of your career across the middle caught markel pack number 11 or something like that a gutsy throw by bo wallace right there it was the first Ole Miss drive of the quarter y'all didn't score on the drive but third nine four wide you had a free release defender crashing into mm -hmm. your face and you complete to markel pack it was a seed in the tightest of windows, through the hands of a linebacker in coverage. Was he the hot read? That's a split-second decision. How do you make that and get it out and complete it? I actually changed that play too, Matt. Um, and then I was, and then I, they, they changed, and I was actually going to change it to something else. And then um, I saw the clock was, was winding down, so I just had to snap it. I didn't get my protection sent to the left. Um, you know, so I, I sent him into the boundary and just, I never even saw the guy coming. Um, you know, luckily I just got it off. And then, you know, once you hit the ground, you kind of just hear for the crowd's reaction. And then, you know, kind of what happened on the play and, you know, just heard the crowd scream and kind of knew something good happened. And, um, uh, you know, that was a great catch by Markel who, you know, was a true freshman that year. Uh, I mean, that was big time for him. The drive stalled two plays later because of a would-be touchdown Evan dropped. And you put the ball yeah. on the line in single coverage. He had Landon Collins beat, and he just dropped it. Bunch receivers to the right side. Wallace, it took off from him, and it's blocked. That's about the fourth big play that Ole Miss has not made. What were the conversations like with Evan after that? Obviously, we know what the outcome is now, but in that moment, he had to be sick to his stomach. Yeah, but that was no conversation about it just because I believed in him so much. You know, I mean, there, were, there wasn't nothing to be said. I knew he was he was going, you know, make a big-time play for us. Um, and I was still confident that we were going to move the ball down. Uh, you know, that, and so just, just felt confidence in him and felt confidence in us. So there was really no reason to say anything. So there's nothing like, oh, man, missed opportunity. I don't know if we're going to get another one like that. Y'all were so confident at that point. Y'all knew y'all were going to get another opportunity or two or three to go score again. That's right. That team right there, um, you know, that was a special team just because you think about how much we believed in each other and cared about each other. Um, you know, like with me coaching now, that's if I can get my team to that, you know, I, I feel pretty good about it. Um, so, you know, I think that helped us a lot that year. 
He made up for it on the next drive, second and four, snagged a well-timed pass away from Reggie Ragland for the first down. Play later, y'all cap a three-play, 56-yard drive with a 34-yard touchdown toss to Vince Sanders to tie the game at 17-17. Three by one. Starts defensively for Alabama. He's got it wide open. Touchdown, Vince Sanders. And a little flag here for unsportsmanlike. Oh, that'll help field position on it. But boy, that formation in this second half has crossed fits for Alabama. I know Vince is one of your favorite guys you ever played with, and you trusted him implicitly. You were looking his way the whole time, and he got behind mm -hmm. two defenders. Three wide to the right, two high. Looked like straight cover two. I think everyone underneath was playing man. What was the route? What did you see? Well, what we were doing, we were running a post over you know, it was a three-man surface, so we were trips, and then we were running the post on the outside, the dig from number two, and then number three was running the whip route. So, um, really, I'm just reading Landon, um, and if he steps one foot on that dig, uh, you know, it's Vince's job to beat the corner. I have to beat the safety with the throw. And then, um, so, you know, Vince stuck on that corner. I saw Landon. He took one step in. I knew he couldn't react back to it. Um, gave Vince a shot, kind of put it more in the middle of the field so the corner couldn't run, run under it. But he did a good job of, you know, kind of being explosive and going and getting that football because, I mean, it was a tough catch, and he did a great job with it. Vince physically wasn't the most gifted guy compared to, like, Laquan or you want to go later to A.J. Brown, Dante Moncrief even. And yet yeah. he consistently got open. He consistently made plays. Is that route running? What was it that made him so good? Just his competitiveness, you know. he And playing so long, you know, he came in, got to play as a true freshman and kind of took his lumps and, um, you know, he just knows how to get open. He, he's one of those guys, you know, you don't really know exactly what it is, but, you know, you trust that he's going to be in the spot that, that he's supposed to be in when he's supposed to be there. You know, he was always there all the time. And, um, you know, once you put the ball up, he's long and athletic, and could, you know, go up and make plays for you. When did y'all know Channing Ward was something serious as a special teams player? <laughs> um, Very early. I mean, wasn't it his – one of the vanity game that he went down and crushed somebody. Yeah, he's a defensive lineman, but this dude's running what four eight four seven. Yeah, maybe four six. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's rolling. Yeah. It's nuts. We all we always knew that he was going to get a shot in the league playing special teams. There was no doubt about that. If you can prove you can play special teams, you can stick and you can be a rotational yeah. defensive lineman. But he was such a freak athletically, and I, I bring it up because of obviously the kick return. Fumble forced by Channing Ward, one of the greatest special teams players in Ole Miss history, recovered by Kalo Moore, of all people. And this is when y'all went ahead. Christian Jones. Jalen goes for nine, then you back shoulder another one of Laquan against Tony Brown. Was part of the game plan, when you saw that matchup, Laquan, Tony Brown, it was an automatic throw to Laquan because it went for 12 yards and it seemed like y'all started to pick on him late. Yeah, that was the great part about our RPOs. You know, once I saw him roll one high, I'm taking Quan on either the, I'm taking Quan on the, on the fade, um, you know, as soon as I see it. Um, it wasn't really that it was Tony Brown or anybody like that. I'm taking that whoever I'm playing against. Um, and like I said, we were, we were using those formations. West Virginia was using. So we were getting Quan one-on-ones and things like that um, with motions and, and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, 
you know, it, it wasn't in the game plan to kind of go after Tony. It was just always in the game plan to, you know, use Quan in, in, in that area. Well, you have to make something else make sense for me. I brought up the Laquan Treadwell pass play that never worked. I get the first and go handoff to Jalen, but the gimmicky stuff oh, comes God. back. Yes, Freeze does yeah. it again. It's second down. He takes the ball out of your hands when you're hot and gives it to Jeremy yeah. Liggins, and he goes nowhere. Why? Well, I, I mean, I never had a problem with that package um, because we were very successful with Liggins doing it. Um, but I mean, at that moment, at that time, and then, you know, he was running with the ball, you know, all the way out and all that stuff, man, it was just a, it was a scary moment. Um, you know, (laughs) it was a really scary moment. So third and Uh, one at the one I get, I get it. Yeah. But second and goal at the nine makes and run a boot. No sense for a guy that weighs 315 pounds. It's insane. Um, but third and goal from the nine. You find Jalen on a wheel route out of the backfield for the touchdown. You looked his way the whole time it looked like, or maybe it was a timing play, and he was the number one option. Walk me through that, because that's when everything just exploded. There's the snap. Wallace into the end zone. Got him. Touchdown, Jalen We call a timeout before that, and we have like three or four plays that we're kind of all talking about me and coach Warner and coach free. And, you know, we settle in on fake screen and go Jalen would, um, or we'd be two by two. And then uh, I think it was Evan in the slot. He'd run up, he'd, he'd go vertical. And then uh, Jalen would go out and act like he was going to block the corner with number one, just coming in, like he's going to run a tunnel. Well, Jalen just slipped him. And I tried to stare at uh, Evan in the slot just to pull that corner. I mean, pull, pull that safety to him. And then uh, just got it over the corner, or got it over the safety once, you know, I kind of had my eyes on him and, and drew him to Evan. Um, and then Jalen did it a great move, um, you know, kind of showing his block and then slipping out. And I mean, it was a great call. Um, so big time play. In real time, when do you know you got a defense on a play like that? Um, right, as soon as you see a bite, I, I mean, you know, as soon as you see the safety kind of funnel inside and then, that corner bites as soon as he's not backpedaling and he takes that stuff up, um, you know, go ahead and get the ball up because, uh, you know, you don't want to give him time to react back to the ball. You know, so once he takes that stuff up, you got to get the ball up. And, uh, that moment right there had to be one of the loudest you've ever been a part of, had to be one of the most fired up moments of your career. What was it like just in the moment in real time to experience this? Because y'all haven't won the game but right. you can feel it starting to kind of build up in crescendo. Yeah, but, I mean, it, it was just like, you know, we celebrated the touchdown, you felt good about it, and then, you know, we missed the extra point. Wonderlick will attempt the extra point. Ooh. Oh, doink. Personal foul. Roughing the kicker. Oh, my. Looks like it was Tony Brown. Number two. Alabama had 27 penalties, and their opponents only had 20. Of 21 coming in. It's blocked. Oh, my goodness. And returnable. Yes, indeed. Tony Brown blocked it. So you automatically just start thinking, you know, this cannot happen. It was no time to, like, really even think about the celebration until, you know, Sinclair's got his, his interception. You know, once he got that, it was, you know, it all hits you. Didn't just miss it once. 
missed it twice. You had run yeah. into the kicker. You get to kick again, and Gary just kicks a line drive and gets blocked. It's the most oldest thing ever. That's when you start I to know. believe in curses. I know. I, I, I mean, that's what I was thinking. And because Gary was so solid, you know, he, he, you know, you never worried about him. And, you know, from the miss twice, that just wasn't char- characteristic of him. So, yeah, you're thinking, you know, <laughs> what's going on? Amari makes that play. And it's yeah. sickening because Cody's right there to make the play. But Amari is the best wide receiver in college football, one of the best in the NFL now. He makes a play, darts down inside Ole Miss territory. Is panic setting in, or do you all still have that belief? Because this defense, like you said, was one of the best in the nation. Well, you knew they had to score a touchdown, so you know you felt better about that. Um, and our red zone defense had, be re- had been really good all year. Um, if you go back and watch that play, though, Alabama uses the ref as a screener. No snap again. Sims across the middle, caught by Cooper. Watch him leave. Watch him run. We're in man coverage. Um, if you go back and rewatch that play, Omari slips off of the referee that's in the middle of the field. Um, so it was a really good play design for what we were in, and that you know that allowed them to get that long that long game. Sinquez seals the win with the interception. 5'9", Sinquez goes up and over, 6'6", O.J. Howard. It seemed like y'all knew pretty early it was going to stand. I'm sure Sinquez yeah. comes to the sideline barking, saying it's done, it's over. Yeah. When did y'all know? Well, Sinquez came, came saying that he, you know, he was looking down and saw his foot come in. Another low snap. Sims deep into the end zone, double coverage. It is up for grabs. It might be. No, it's no. It's out of the end zone. Well, this will be reviewed. He's got it. His foot comes down. Now, is he juggling it? He's got that football. This could be an interception. The previous play is under further review. Absolutely. His left foot comes down. I think it's going to be called an interception. After further review... The ball was intercepted in the end zone. He was 100% confident in it. And you watch the replay, and then, you know, that showed you that it was going to stand. And, uh, I mean, from that point, it was, let's snap the ball, make sure we don't have any mistakes doing that, and let's get this thing over with. You take a knee and you turn around with the ball and just start walking. That had to be the most incredible kneel down to run out the clock that you've ever been a part of, at least up there. Yes, no doubt. Um, um, you know, I knew I wanted to keep the ball. You know, in 2012 when we beat State in the Egg Bowl, kind of threw the ball in the stands, and I was like, man, if I have a big win like that anymore, I want to keep that ball. So, um, you know, once we won, I, I definitely wanted to keep it. And, uh, you know, it's still still in the uh, you know the trophy case today. Ole Miss knocks off Alabama. Hugh Freeze takes his football teams and knocks them off. They're rushing the field. Bo Wallace wants to keep that football and why would he not? Seven 
is the first time Ole Miss has ever defeated a top-ranked team. Who'd you throw the ball to? Now, I gave it to my little brother just so they could hold on to it. See, that's um, smart. Baby bro take care yeah. of it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What was the celebration like? It's the first time Ole Miss had ever defeated a top-ranked team. Every fan is swarming the field. They're going to take down the field goal posts. Um, what was the celebration like from the player's perspective? It's what you dream about, you know. You grow up, you watch SEC football, and, you know, you see fans storm the field, and you want to be a part of something like that. And then, you know, for it to happen, you know, that was it's really cool, uh, you know, looking back on it to be a part of it. Um, you know, one of the best wins in the program. Uh, you know, it, it was it was a fun game to be a part of, and uh, you know, it, it was a it was just really fun. Eighteen for thirty-one, two fifty-one, three touchdowns, and man, you had to battle for every single one of those, man. Yeah, for sure. Um, the thing was, I I was confident all summer. You know, I I knew that we were going to beat them just because. You know, that team, we knew that team was special. We knew what we had coming back. I knew that I was coming back healthy. And so, you know, I, I was just really excited about the year. And, you know, I just always told myself, you know, I'm not going to let interceptions in this game, you know, dictate the game. So I was just really conservative. And, uh, you know, really the game plan was, I mean, one of the best game plans I've ever been a part of. Um, so, you know, that, that helped us out a lot. And, uh, you know, it, it was a bunch of fun. Well, last thing, I gave you game MVP. Who was the most underappreciated MVP of that game from your vantage point? Mm. Laquan's 555-1 and one was a hell of a lot better than 555-1. Yeah, I mean, I guess you had to go with Quan, but, I mean, you, you saw, I mean, I guess his numbers don't really jump out to what the impact he had on the game was, you know what I mean? Um, so I, I guess you'd have to go with Quan. How many times you asked about it? I'm sure when you come back to Ole Miss, people talk to you about it still, right? Yeah, I mean, all the time somebody asks about it. But, you know, kind of getting older, you don't get it as much. So I kind of like that about it. You know, it's fun, you know, going back and talking about it. Okay, so how you handling the coronavirus, your quarantine, self-isolation, social distancing, how you holding up? I am. Um, so they uh, put us on online classes, so our campus is closed down. So I'm back with the family. It's me, my little brother, my my little sister and my parents and two dogs. So um, it's pretty wild over here. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm ready to get back to work and, and get back in the flow of things. So what do you do? Sit around writing plays on napkins as you prepare to be the OC next year, whenever that does happen, when that season does come? <laughs> well, my uh, my quarterback is my little brother. So, um, you know, it, it kind of gives us a t some time to work out every day and you know, get some throwing in and all that kind of stuff. And, um you know, we're not getting a spring, so I'm, you know, kind of teaching them the offense and how we're going to call it and all those type of things. So, um, you know, trying to uh, try to make the best of it as we can um, and, and, you know, try to get as ready as we can since we're not getting a spring. What's the dynamic coaching your brother? I'm sorry to keep you, but that's a pretty interesting dynamic there. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, he's been around ball his whole life and, um, you know, he's watched a lot of football and he's played a lot of football. Um, you know, I'm excited about getting to coach him. He's going to be a good player for us and just excited for it. He's Bo Wallace, former Ole Miss quarterback. Thanks for doing this, man. Doing the rewatch with me. That game, it's one of the best in Ole Miss history and Ole Miss fans love it. And at a time when there are no sports going on, it's nice to look back. So thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. We'll talk again. Yes, sir. I appreciate it.
That was former Ole Miss quarterback Bo Wallace, and this is a special edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett, Colin Brister, coming back in just a second. Let me tell you briefly about Impact by Ironwood and Sola, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Business owners, did you know you can support Ole Miss Athletics every time you accept a debit or credit card payment? That's right, Impact by Ironwood offers the best debit and credit card payments processing tools around, and they'll donate a portion of their profits to the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation in your name. The best part is you don't have to spend an extra dime to get exclusive member benefits, earn donor priority points, and support your Ole Miss Rebels. To learn more, call 1-833-GO-TEAMS. That's 1-833-GO-TEAMS. Or go to www.impactolmiss.com. Make a difference. Make an impact. So a few years ago, a multi-generation Ole Miss family set out to do something a little different in the world-renowned Oxford culinary community. They wanted to bring a true wine bar to the square. Upon opening the wine bar in 2013, they discovered they had one of the Southeast's best young chefs in Erica Leip. Fascinated by diverse cultures and tastes, Erica proved herself to be a true visionary when pairing food and drink, constantly discovering new pairings, and creating seasonal offerings that took the classics everyone loves and twisting them up a notch to create something truly unique. Fast forward to 2019, the family felt that their food offerings were being undervalued and decided to lean on Erica's incredible culinary talents and rebrand the wine bar into one of the best restaurants in the Southeast. Enter Sola, bringing to you unique cuisine and lifted spirits. Come as you are, enjoy creative dishes and distinctive drinks as served by Erica and her team of food and beverage enthusiasts, skillfully combining ingredients from local purveyors with classic cooking techniques from all over the world. Simply put, Sola is the best restaurant in Oxford. So check them out. The website is solaoxford.com or give them a call at 662-238-3500. Also remember to follow them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, using the at MS on all platforms. Sola in Oxford, on the Oxford Square. Colin, back with me. This is Talk of Champions. I've been Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. All right, Colin, who was game MVP? You just talked to him. I mean, if without, you know, every single throw that that guy makes, I, you know, almost doesn't win that day. Um, you know, I, I think there's a number two that I think my, my underrated MVP that you mentioned earlier, I think will shock a few people, but, uh, as far as the most valuable player in the football game, we just got through talking to him. Uh, you know, Ole Miss doesn't win that day if Bo Wallace isn't excellent, and, and he was excellent that day. And you know he had gone through a lot. People forget, you know, you had the good Bo, bad Bo, which I kind of and he hated that. Hated it, it. It was extremely unfair, but you know whatever. Um, Bo was excellent that day, and he was excellent a lot of times for Ole Miss. I think Hugh Freeze said it last week. He's he was the biggest recruit that Ole Miss ever signed during his tenure, um, and and he showed it that day. And it was the little things too. Remember, that game was 3-0 for so long, deep mm-hmm. into the second quarter. And yet, Bo kept Ole Miss moving. It wasn't three and out after three and out for Ole Miss. To keep it there, even though you're not scoring, was a feat unto itself. Because if you look across the board at Alabama, it's insane the amount of talent that this team had. Okay, here we go. Amari, Kenyon Drake, Reggie Ragland, Alshon Robinson, Landon Collins, TJ Yeldon, Derrick Henry, Cam Robinson, O.J. Howard, Jonathan Allen, Deshaun Hand, Jaron Reed, Rashad Evans, Reuben Foster, D.J. Petway, Tim Williams, Eddie Jackson, just to name a few. They picked on Landon Collins that day. They picked on him. They really did. And Evan finished with, I think, three catches for 71 yards. But it should have been so much more because he that drop touchdown, touchdown was over Landon Collins. And it was designed yeah. specifically to do what it did. And Evan 
uncharacteristically, but Evan just dropped it. Yeah, and that that's when when that happened, I thought, okay, this, this is going to end 17 to 13, 17 to 10, whatever it was. I can't remember. I think it was 17 to 10. I was like, well, this is just how it ends. Um, give Ole Miss a lot of credit. They that, that team for that day, for whatever reason, just would not give in no matter what happened. I mean, they had every reason to give in after uh, the guy grabs Octavius' face mask right before halftime and doesn't get a call. How do you um, miss that? How? I, I'll I'll never be convinced, Ben. I, honest to God, will never be convinced that was not missed on purpose. You you cannot convince me that they did not see the face mask get crap. I won't believe it. There's nothing you can say that will convince me that they that they just missed that. There's no way. It, it makes no sense how you missed that. Well, because the first touchdown of the game came at the 3:44 mark of the second quarter. It was Alabama right. that scored on a 12 play, 68 yard scoring drive, and it was all Amari and T.J. Yeldon. Almost Ole Miss did. Had a goal line stand, handoff to mm-hmm. TJ Yeldon, fade to Amari, handoff to Yeldon. Fourth down, they run a good play. Blake Sims, quarterback keeper, fake it to TJ and then boot. There's the touchdown. So you go from controlling that game. It's only 3 nothing, but you're controlling that game because your defense is just playing insanely well. To the first touchdown at 344, to being down 14-3 to at halftime in a span of three minutes. Yes, I'll never be convinced they didn't see it. I just sat there with my head in my hands the, the whole halftime because I knew Ole Miss should have been in the game. And look, when you go in down 14 to three at out against Alabama and you go in the way you did, been an Ole Miss fan for, I guess I was what, 20, 20 years old then 21, whatever. Um, you don't exactly expect Ole Miss to rebound from that. There's, there's not a lot of evidence that, that gives you hope for, for a rebound from that. Here's the thing though, before that drive, Ole Miss had a drive. Seven to three, Jalen has a good return to the Ole Miss 40. But mm-hmm. the first play from scrimmage, 328 to go in the second quarter, was the Laquan Treadwell throw that Freeze loved, that tricky, dumb play that he ran countless times, and it never worked. And it went for a loss of three, and they went three and out. Hell will be on a loop watching the Laquan Treadwell play try to work over and over and over, and never working. Oh God! I can remember it working one time over three years. Once, and he ran when? twelve times. When? Uh, in the Sugar Bowl, he hit Wilkins down the middle of the field. Okay, finally, <laughs> finally, because Bo and I couldn't remember. Finally, in the oh, Bo was gone. This was Chad Kelly in the Sugar Bowl. Finally, Correct, yeah. Laquan completes when I forgot about that Sugar Bowl play because almost absolutely destroyed yeah. Oklahoma State. But in this game, at that moment, and that was two times where Hugh Freeze got um, a little too cute. Including Jeremy Liggins happened. Jeremy Liggins. I could get it if it was second and goal to go from the two. I could get it. I wouldn't get him booting him around at 315 pounds, but I could get giving him the ball to fall forward. But Bo was hot and you took the ball out of his hands and it didn't stop anything because Bo comes back on third and goal at the nine and hits Jalen. But what is Hugh Freeze doing? And and these are the times where you just scratch your head because he was such a good coach. He was. It's like the the Robert Kimdichie fullback dive play at Memphis. It's like what, what they are we concussed doing? Robert Kimdichie. It's like what are we doing here? It's like he got bored on the sideline sometimes. He just said, "You know what? Let's do this." Uh, no, it's like a, it's like the thirteen year old that like gets the NCAA video game and, it, and he like gets I don't know. Uh, Arizona and Khalil Tate runs Oregon's offense just yes. so he can run all the trick plays or he yes. gets like Gus Malzahn's offense. That's, that was Hugh Freeze. He was just playing a video game. Or the kid who would run the option with a wide receiver at quarterback. That kid, well, that was a cheater. I was Called that cheater. kid. But yes. <laughs> anyway, not to get off topic too much. What was the turning point of the game for you? 
All right. So I don't want to do one play, but here, here's the turning point of the game. All right. You come out of halftime and it's 14 to three and Alabama gets the football. They miss a field goal. And yes. Damn it. You stole it from me. Yeah. They go right down the field and score a touchdown. And that's when he thought, Oh, Oh, they're not going to let just lay down. So I think that missed field goal, if you had to specify a play that maybe turned the game, I think I'd pick that one. But it's definitely that along with, you know, a couple with the drive Ole Miss going down and, and Treadwell catching the back shoulder fade to make it 14 to 10 for me. And that was the drive of the Evan Ingram throw, the same throw, the what, 49 yard throw, whatever it was, some crazy mm-hmm. number. So that was the turning point. Who was the under the radar MVP of the game for you? Larry McTunzel, because he just wow. kept whipping <laughs> He just kept whipping dudes. And look, man, you don't have you don't have Bo Wallace, you know, back there. Look, he was pressured all day, but it was in his face pressure, right? You don't have to worry about Ashawn Robinson coming off the edge because Larry McTunzel just kicked whoever's tail that lined up against him. That's a really good pick. It's a really good pick. The guy gave up what, one sack over his almost career? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. really good. One person who deserves a ton of credit for how good he was, Tony Connor. Ten total tackles, six solo tackles, four assists, .5 tackles for loss, and he pressured constantly Blake Sims. He made open field tackles on Amari Cooper. This was Tony Connor at his NFL best. It's a shame what happened to Tony Connor. The next year, Derrick Henry goes low blocking him, and it ruins Tony Connor. He's never able to recover, become the same player. He finishes almost career as strong as he could, but this Tony Connor. One of the best safeties in the country. I mean, this is when you thought, oh, my God, Ole Miss has got Ed Reed. <laughs> yeah, that was, that's good comp. I never thought of it like that. But, yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. Um, Tony was something else, man. I mean, you you know, just, uh, you know, him in high school, that, that South Panola team, that was back when they were extremely loaded. And I remember talking to somebody at South Panola. And he was the best kid on that team as a ninth grader. Um, so, it, that that was nothing new for him to to play the way he did against Alabama, and he he sure did wreak havoc that day. I had to go do spotting duties for ESPN. They were covering MUS South Panola. Barry Brunetti was the quarterback for MUS. I think Nick Brazel was on the field for South Panola. Right. A ton of talent on that field for South Panola and MUS. And I remember pregame down on the field, somebody came up to me. They said, "Ben, Ben, 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 don't worry about Snoop. Don't worry about Barry. Don't worry about any." I want you to watch that guy. And he pointed to Tony Connor. He said he's the best player on the field. He was a freshman. He said he's going to be an NFL player, going to play for 10, 15 years, day one starter. He's the best player I've ever seen. And I remember watching him throughout that game, doing a terrible job spotting, terrible job, but watching Tony Connor, and they were right. He was the best player. It didn't matter who had the ball. It didn't matter what play it was. You couldn't take your eyes off of him. And I remember that day thinking, if Ole Miss gets that kid, and that's before we knew anything about Laquan Treadwell or Robert Kim Dietschy, uh, Laramie Tunsil, if Ole Miss could just get that guy. And that guy showed up against Alabama in 2014. He was all over the field. Who was the best player on the field for you? Mine's simple, and I love Tony Connor. He would be up there. Amari Cooper was so good. Had already accumulated 43 catches, 655 yards, and five touchdowns. I think that uh, he look Elijah Moore is not Amari uh, Cooper, but I think people need to look at Lane Kiffin and how he used Amari Cooper and realize that he's going to get his best player of the football by God one way or the other. Like Dennis Jackson, Jonathan Mingo, these guys that had tremendous recruiting pedigrees. 
if you want any kind of encouraging sign, cut on this game and watch Amari. <laughs> and now he's one yeah. of the best receivers in the NFL. And I don't just say that because I'm a Cowboys fan because the Cowboys suck, but Amari just got paid. And you watch this game and you can see why. But this <laughs> Alabama team was unbelievably good, unbelievably talented, but for the first time and one of the only times in my lifetime, I'm sure in the lifetimes of a number of Ole Miss fans, Ole Miss had comparable talent. They did. I mean, we could talk about Robert Kimdichi and Tony Connor and Laramie and Laquan, but defensively, Mike Hilton, Cody Pruitt was an All-American. Stenquez. Stenquez Golson. You had a freshman, Marquise Haynes, who's in the NFL. Fadal Brown. What an unbelievably talented defense. And C.J. Johnson was a defensive end for that team. I mean, just across the board, Isaac Gross was a backup. Woody Hamilton was really good for this team, and he didn't even play a lot. And he ended up? Winning a Super Bowl with the Patriots. Yeah, yeah, this team was loaded. Ole Miss, for the first time since 1962, went to 5-0. We all know how the season ended. A memory you won't forget and one of the best games ever. Let me ask you this, Ben, because I always do this when I talk with friends about this game. Look, it it was a remarkable performance. Ole Miss did a lot of things well to win this game. Was was the better performance that week, that day against Alabama, or the next week at A&M when they beat them by 30 points or whatever it was? you got to give it to this game, the Alabama game, okay. because you don't get to that game without this one. Sure, sure. But, man, there was a lot of there was a lot of thought. I mean, Ole Miss was an underdog that night. If you go back and look at spreads, I think A&M was a two- or three-point favorite. Um, and Ole Miss beat the shit out of them. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, there was a lot of Ole Miss fans, and you're talking to one of them, that was just like, well, they'll beat Alabama. They'll go screw it up now at College Station. And my God, they did not. And then the next week, Tennessee Tennessee shows up, and they still haven't scored. Yeah, and then LSU happens. Well, we'll talk about that. <sighs> not going to rewatch that LSU nope. game. And never going to rewatch the Auburn game. Ever. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Uh, no. This has been Talk of Champions. If you like this, if you like us doing this, let me know. We've got nothing but time right now. So uh, pick a game. Let us know. I'll get a guest, and we'll go through it. It's been Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. When you do go to iTunes, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. Please support all of our podcast sponsors. They need it at this time just like everyone else. Buy local. Support these people. They're good people, and they're keeping my lights on. Help us out. I write for the Oma Spirit, omaspirit.com, and affiliate 247 Sports. Our thoughts and prayers to David Johnson, Grace Spencer, We'll be back on Thursday. Don't know what we're going to do, what we're going to talk about, what we're going to do. I don't know. Maybe we'll go through another game. Find a baseball game. Why not? Basketball game. Maybe Andy Kennedy. Maybe I can get Andy Kennedy to come on. He was just hired at UAB. Yeah, the issue with baseball is you're not going to be able to find it on YouTube to go rewatch. Yeah, and no one wants to rewatch Evan Button. It's not on YouTube, thank God. Yeah. Would you rewatch it if it was on YouTube? Uh, I think I could if I were forced because they've made Omaha since, but I ain't, I ain't going and actively looking it out. I bet Colin Brister died a little bit that day. He did. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Absolutely. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.